This is the Two-Tone Uncensored Podcast. Hosts Matt McCrone, Brian Moreland, and Glenn Lotzenheiser talk everything Tennessee Titans. This show is made for the fans of Bleed Two-Tone Blue. Kevin Dyson, former Tennessee Titan, and you're listening to Two-Tone Uncensored. This is Two-Tone Uncensored, and I'm your host, Ron Moreland. With me tonight, as always, the man who is basically family of all former Titans players, Matt Necrone. What up, Matt? You gotta get in where you fit in, man. And also with me, a celebrity in his own mind, Glenn Lotzenheiser. How you doing, Glenn? Did you, uh... Talk to my agent about this. I don't think that I'm getting paid enough to be on here tonight. Hollywood. Me and Glenn got the same agent, and when I see him, I'm going to whoop his ass. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Better that guy asked us on up. Facebook if we were going to go after Tlaib tonight, and it took us approximately eight seconds to take his first shot at him. <laughs> it's it's like, ass. really? This is pretty low-hanging fruit right here. Of course we are. <laughs> I didn't even remember he said that, so there you go. <laughs> it was going to happen anyway. Oh, absolutely. So let's jump right into it, guys, here in the mailbag. First questions from Matt Cook, and he asks, the list of unrestricted free agents right now for at the cornerback position is huge. Could you see us signing one, and if so, who? For me, it's easy. I think uh, Stephon Gilmore is probably the best bet. We've talked about this a couple weeks ago. There was a few out there, but I, I definitely think that Gilmore has the most talent and probably the most upside at this point. I think it's a given that we will. I don't know who it'll be because I don't know what they're going to be after. It seems like they want to play more man corner than I would have expected for Dick LeBeau. But, you know, we play best when we play zone just because of the players we already have. So I don't know what they're going to be looking for. So I'm not even going to hazard a guess yet. They're probably looking for, like, warm bodies that turn their heads for balls. It'd be pretty damn impressive if that happened, wouldn't it? Yes. Just have them come in there. Hey, can you look left? Look right. Hey, look up. (laughs) Awesome. You're, You're on the team. You got it. You're not uh, short, are you? <laughs> Gilmore's short's fine. They don't care about short as long as you're fast. That's but if true. you can turn your head, you're on the team no matter what you are. Yeah, McCain's out there as a midget right now playing. Yeah, I think Gilmore's the obvious, like, the one that I'd like to see. There's other guys, you know, Prince of Mukamura, Captain Munnerland, you know, DJ Hayden, Darius Butler, Terrence Newman. There's a lot out there. I don't know who we'll go after. In my opinion, I'd like to go for someone that we can get fairly cheap and bring in as just like a veteran kind of presence to help transition for the young guys that we're going to get in the draft. That would be the perfect scenario for me because I don't think there's anybody on this list that we're going to go after and they're going to be, you know, they're going to stay here for long term. I don't see anybody being picked up at free agency and staying here more than like four years tops. Just get somebody in that can help smooth the transition into the guys that we're going to draft, and you know, hopefully, we hit it out of the park there, and we don't have to worry about it for very long. You know, I just go get someone for that, you know, two three million dollars that's workable, that's usable, that's an upgrade, and then you know, just wait until our guys, the new guys that we draft, are ready to start. Also, I want to add the fact that we're kind of like the new up and coming team, especially if we do crack the playoffs this season. I think will actually be a, a good destination for, 
for free agents as as opposed to the last few years where nobody wanted to come and play other than maybe like Arakpo. But I think that was strictly because of uh, Michael Griffin recruiting him. But I think now we're actually looking, you know, up and up. So I think guys will want to come here. Yeah, definitely. Up and coming teams are, you know, that's what you have to be to get free agents to come here. There has to be an obvious need where they can come in and make an impact. And you got to have, you know, some some proof to the rest of the league that you're going somewhere. And this season has obviously changed a lot of opinions about the Tennessee Titans. So we are going to be much more likely to be able to land a top-level free agent, which is what everybody wanted last year. But going off of what we've done the last two years, there was no chance you were bringing in those high-level guys because they're looking at this team going, that's a freaking dumpster fire. I want no part of that. I'm not putting my name on that. Now the Titans are coming up, and it looks like they're definitely going to be in contention in the next few years. This is a place to be where they can come in and say, hey, I'm a part of this. So it definitely helps that part of the recruiting process. Not only that, but it helps you get to the guys that you want. You want the guys that want to win, that want to go to winning teams, that want you know that ultimate goal. You don't want the guys that are just looking for a paycheck because there are guys that will go anywhere, you know, just whoever has the top dollar. We want the guys that, you know, obviously everybody wants to get paid, but we want the guys that want to win too. Do you guys remember the long-ass two or three days, however long it was, of the uh, Rackbo negotiations? It was like 11-hour dinners. Like Everybody was on edge, like, will he come, will he come? Finally he did. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, they, they were definitely courting him hard. And it paid off. It did. It worked out for us. Yeah, and now he's sitting there with over 10 sacks on the season. You know, been a great player, probably Pro Bowl level. Let's move on to the next question here. Tyler Musson sends this one in. What is the most important aspect of the game plan for Kansas City? For me, I think the most important thing for us to do is establish uh, the ground game, just like we did Denver. I think we're going to have a similar game plan. I don't think as far as their offense, containing their offense, is going to be quite as easy. I think Alex Smith is a better quarterback than Simeon. I think, for one, Simeon was, it wasn't really 100%, so I think it was easier for us to shut him down, even though he did kind of, uh, towards the end, move the ball a little bit better on us. But we played well overall. I think as far as Kansas City goes, their run defense is a little suspect, so I, I know we definitely have to establish the run. Their secondary worries me. Obviously, we already know Barry's back there. Uh, Marcus Peters, one of the best corners in the league right now. I think if we establish the run and get a good a good mix of play-action pass in there, I think we'll have success. Yeah, their, their, their run defense is just you know 50 yards better than Denver's. So it's going to be the same game plan on offense. We're going to run, go out there, establish the run. We're going to go out there and bully them, since apparently that's what you know people are saying about this team now, which I think is awesome. You know, that we're, we're the physical team and we're the bullies of the NFL, which is exactly what they said they wanted to be in the beginning of the season. You know, John Robinson and Mike Malarkey, that was their mission statement. They wanted to play physical football. They wanted to be the bullies. They wanted to overpower people. Mm-hmm. And it's exactly what they're doing. I think we come out, we run on them. Their pass defense is middle of the road. So they're not, they're not nearly as good as Denver's pass defense. There's no reason we can't score on the Chiefs. You know, that right there should give you some hope that we can win against this team. On the other side, their their pass offense is much better than what we've been dealing with for the most part. So you're playing a better pass offense. Our secondary being our weakest spot, we're going to have to have that pass rush again. It won't be as easy as when we were smacking Simeon around because Alex Smith is a veteran quarterback. He will get the ball out on time. He, he's got some good weapons. Uh, 
So it, it's going to be a little bit harder for our defense. It's a better challenge for them because they're going to have to deal with a good passing attack and a run defense that is basically there to help the passing attack. Defensively, it's going to be a harder game for us. Offensively, it should be an easier game for us. You could very well have the exact same kind of outcome we just had against Denver, though. The true X factor, I think, in this one's the special teams. We cannot kick the ball to Tyreek Hill because that dude's that much faster than anybody we have. Yeah, I absolutely agree with a lot of your points here. I think it's going to be very similar to Denver. It's just it's going to be a little harder to run, and I think a good bit easier to pass. They do have uh, Barry and and Peters, as you guys were saying, but on the other side, opposite Peters is a guy that you can go to and you know just force the ball over to that side of the entire game and have success. We've seen other teams do it. The thing is, you watch Kansas City when they face teams that can throw the ball and have good quarterbacks. They really struggle. They have a lot of success against teams that don't have a quarterback that can throw the ball like that. So I think we could have some success. You obviously are going to throw the ball away from Peters, try to get it in. Best matchups for us. I still think running the ball is going to come early and often. I still think this is a game. And, yeah, I know we're running teams, so obviously you can say that each and every week. But just like Denver, I think we need to run the ball more than we would normally. Um, Set the tone with the running game and then use that to set up the pass. We're never going to play anybody again that has as good of a secondary as Denver has. So, you know, I don't expect Mariota to have the kind of games that he had this week ongoing. You know, we played an excellent secondary and it showed. They did a great job in that game. But, you know, obviously we're able to still win it because of a running game. The big thing that changes on the other side of the football, like Glenn was telling you, you have a quarterback that is a lot better than Trevor Simeon and Alex Smith. And I know he's a game manager, but Alex Smith is probably the best game manager in the league right now. Uh, He does an excellent job getting the ball out on time. He doesn't make mistakes. He just doesn't. And that could hurt us, obviously, our secondary. They had a better game this week, but they were playing a weak quarterback and a beat-up weak quarterback at that. So, you know, it wasn't that much of a challenge. This next week, they're really going to have to step up – you know, Alex Smith, being honest, is probably the best quarterback we have left in the season. We have Alex Smith, and then we're going to have uh, Blake Bortles, who's been struggling all season long. And then you have the $72 million mistake in Houston, which will be an easier game for a secondary. I think this is a game at the end of the year that is one of those where Robinson and Malarkey are going to look back on and see like who played in this game, who stepped up, you know, who made mistakes in the secondary as far as who's they want, who do they want to keep as they transition into a new secondary. So an important one for our corners. And we're talking about the secondary. We're going to move into it here. We have this one from Ian Talley, and he asks, with the secondary playing one of their best games of the season against Denver, who do you think will be the standout of this secondary for the rest of the 2017 season? It's hard to say. I guess I guess the the easy answer as of late would be Bryce McCain. I think he stepped up the most, but this past game I saw a lot of good things from a few different guys. Blake had some good plays even though he it wasn't flawless by any means. He did he did have a couple good plays. Sims stepped up. Um McCordy did not. McCordy actually saw less snaps on the field than any other any of the other uh two cornerbacks. McCain and uh, Blake, but I guess the answer is is McCain. 
I don't feel very confident about him or Blake or anyone that we have moving forward, but they did have a good game. It was refreshing, surprising, I guess is the best way to put it. Uh, hopefully we can move off that momentum. I know a little off topic, but Rashad Johnson had a great game unexpectedly. A lot of guys came together in the secondary and it was definitely a, a nice surprise. I think if we can play that way again this week, we have a good chance of winning. It's all about what they decide to do. Uh, this game, they got out of playing man all the time. I don't understand why they ever switched to that. Uh, e- even against teams with mediocre to poor receivers like the Bears, we don't have the personnel to play man on anybody. It's just not what these guys are good at. You've got to play zone with them. Uh, we all hate the soft zone and letting them make catches underneath and just tackling them, but you, you see it. The only time Blake is a useful cornerback is whenever he can play a little bit of zone and use his speed to get in there and to tackle the guy as he's making the catch and maybe knock the ball away. That's the kind of corner that he is. Um, McCain has a little bit more man ability than that, but he's also a better zone guy. McCordy is a very soft zone guy. It's, it's what he's always done. He's always played off of people. Uh, that's one of the reasons why people point at him and go, he should be a, be a safety. It's not that on this team we can make him a safety. It's that if you're going to play that soft zone anyway, and it seems to be his natural instinct, then why not just make him a safety? That's why people have that conversation about him. I, I think it's all about what Dick LeBeau decides to do with these guys, how he approaches the players. When we play teams with better receivers, we seem to play more soft zone, which makes sense because you're trying not to get burned by them. But I don't see any point in time where this team is a good matchup for somebody and we play man coverage. Uh, it just it never works out for us unless we just have a massive athletic advantage against them. And that's just not going to happen often. If I was picking a guy, the one who's showing up the most, like Matt said, is Bryce McCain. really shocks me to be saying that. It doesn't really impress me any just because it's still Bryce McCain. We don't have a great corner on this team. But Bryce McCain right now seems to be the guy trending upwards and getting the best advantage of the system that they're using. Yeah, I've been impressed with McCain. I said it a couple weeks ago that I thought he was going to start stepping up. And I said it last week, in fact, in this game, I thought he was going to step up and be workable. Because I think he he has the most success when he gets to go up against receivers that don't have a lot of size and are fast. Uh, you know, he's easy to beat over the top because of his height. But when he gets to play small, fast guys, it's kind of in his wheelhouse. He had a good game. I've been impressed with him, and and I agree with that answer. Sims had some good plays in this game, but even the great plays that he had, the standout plays of the game, seemed more luck than ability. You know, the one where he tips the ball, he's not even looking back. He just threw his hands up and got lucky that he put his hand in the right place. The the toss into the end zone, you know, he really got lucky that it was a bad throw because he was beat there. I like Sims. You know, he was one of my favorite of the draft picks because of the value that he had where he was drafted but he really needs to work on getting his head around uh he can get out of place Uh, he had a good game against a very weak quarterback in this game and and didn't look impressive even in the plays that he played well it was more luck to me than it was skill he worries me still a little bit Uh, blake had some good plays in this one still had a couple head scratchers but yeah, I would agree that it has to be McCain at this point is the one that you're looking at. And I wonder, it makes me wonder though, talking about McCourty, if that injury is still nagging him. You know, we, you said it, you mentioned that he's playing less snaps, he's not performing 
as well as he normally does. Do you think that could be a thing? Is this he hasn't shaken this injury yet? Could be that. It could be age. It could be a lot of things. I'm not. I'm not confident on pinpointing what it actually is, but his performance obviously is suffering, and that's why he's not seeing as many plays as the other guys. Yeah, it's all guessing on this end of it. You know, until we talk to somebody who has some actual inside access, we're just not going to know. All right, let's move on to the next question here, guys. We're staying in uh, the secondary. It's kind of a theme for these last couple questions. Colby Cooper asks, do you think we're going to see any more of Kalen Reed against the Chiefs? Honestly, man, if if we have a type of game like we just played, I don't see the need to, to get him on the field. Sims stepped up tremendously. He learned how to turn his neck. Kalen Reed is, is definitely a part of the future, I believe, but I don't know that we'll see him this week. I don't think we will. Um, maybe we do due to injury or, or something else, but I don't think we will. Yeah, and that's the same answer I have. In, unless there's a need for him to move up into that active chart, you're just not going to see much of him. Just because he's on the roster now doesn't mean that he's going to start starting all the time. Uh, let's not get too excited. He's, he's going to get rotated in and get a chance to get some experience, but they're not going to lose the game. And you know, in, When you're talking playoff potential here, you, you don't take a lot of chances with your personnel. So he, he'll get on the field to spell people or if they see somebody they think he'll match up against, but that's about it. Yeah, I agree. You know, some of these rookies, when you don't get to see them, everybody gets that the grass is greener kind of mentality. And 99.9% of the time, it's not. You know, these coaches know what they're doing. If a guy's not playing, it's probably because he's not as good as the guy in front of him. Um, I I like Kalen Reed. I think he has potential. But keep in mind, this guy's a seventh rounder. Uh, You know, we don't need him on the field. Even though our guys have struggled at times, I don't think he's the answer. I don't think he comes in as an improvement. But, yeah, I don't see we think we see a lot of him in this game. Unless there's injuries or something of that sort, uh, I don't think we see end up seeing Reed in this game very much at all. Uh, and, and, you know, I don't know what it is. It might just be me personally. But when I look at him, he looks like a kid out there. Like, he truly looks like a kid amongst men. It's it's weird. Yeah, he definitely looks like a rookie. <laughs> all right, guys, moving on to the last question in the mailbag here. A good friend of the show, Morocco Taylor, sends this one in. In your opinion, over these next three games, do you think the secondary will regress or progress? That's tough. Hopefully, man, we catch wind and we progress. I think I don't think we can get much better than we are than we just were. With that being said, I think from where we were a couple weeks ago, that's uh, progressing, you know, immensely. I think if we can get help all around, I don't think any one guy is going to stand out to the point where, you know, we have a superstar on the, on the team. But I think if, if they all come together like they did this past week, I think that's progression. Like I said earlier, I think Rashad Johnson had a great game, and we haven't seen that this year. So if we can get more help from the safeties, that's only going to help our corners, and everybody's going to benefit. The young guys are going to continue to improve, so that's going to happen. It's got a lot more to do with the quarterbacks we're playing and the quality of the receivers. This game, we had a bad quarterback – who was hurt and looked shook and scared almost the entire game. A lot easier for the secondary to look good and make plays against that guy. Alex Smith is a different story, so we'll see what happens. We've got Blake Bortles again. That's kind of the Trevor Simeon story all over again. Then we've got Osweiler. Really, it's this next game. How they show up this weekend in uh, Kansas City is going to be tell you where they're at. And then after that, the quarterbacks we're playing aren't that good. So we need... 
everybody to be laser focused in this 14 degree weather in that loud ass stadium at Arrowhead. I'm going to be out there probably going deaf by the time I get out of there. But that, that that's going to be the game that tells you about our secondary. The, the other two games, hopefully the young guys have learned enough by the time we get to these easier games that they can make plays for us. And something different happens than the first time we went up through them. Yeah, you nailed it right on the head there, Glenn. I think it's going to appear that they are progressing as a unit because we don't really have a lot of good quarterbacks left. I mean, Alex Smith we're talking about as the best quarterback left. And it's not as Alex Smith is like a top 10 kind of guy. You know, he's just a good game manager. He's a middle-of-the-road quarterback in the NFL. But compared to the guys that we're playing and, and, you know, have recently played, he's obviously the best. You know, hobbled Trevor Simeon, Blake Bortles, who's having just an awful season, you know, and then uh, Osweiler. You you know, among that class, uh, obviously Alex Smith shines, but it's not like he's great by no means. So I think it's going to appear as like the secondary is getting better, even if they're truly not, just because the level of quarterbacks that we're going up against is not very high, you know. But I think you know, as and Glenn said uh, as well, the young guys are going to progress. It's part of being a young guy in the NFL. You're going to get better, you know. As the more you learn, the more you get to play and see an NFL system, and you know, as the action, you're going to get better as it goes on. You, you know, like I said, I kind of hit on. Sims there a little bit, but he has progressed. He's getting better. I, that is true. He's just not where I thought he was going to be coming in exactly. And I guess maybe I had a little bit too high of expectations for him coming out as a rookie. But he has gotten better. You can see that from week to week. But that's all we have for the mailbag. Let's get into the news here, guys. The first story was one that had a lot of people confused on Sunday as soon as the game started. It was Kendall Wright's healthy scratch. What did you guys think about this? It was KW fucking up again. You, you show up late at meetings. You're not paying attention. You're not on your job, on your point. It, everybody expects that he's gone this year. He, he looks like he's maybe uh, getting some senioritis right now. I, I don't know that it gets him focused for the next few games or not. I don't know that it matters. We seem to be able to move our offense with or without him. I'm really hoping that it snaps him too and he, he pays attention and he, he plays well for us for the last few weeks that he's here. At, at this point in the season, Glenn, I don't think it matters at this point at all. I think that if you're in your fifth year on a team and you're not sticking to what we're doing, you, you're pretty much halfway out the door already. And uh, I think that we already knew that going in, but I will say I, I listened to Coach Malarkey's press conference and he said that Kendall understood the discipline action and moving forward he has a clean slate, but I mean at that, what, what does it really mean at this point? I don't I don't think he's going to make any kind of impact moving forward and I don't think he's going to be here next year. Senioritis is a good way to put it, Glenn. I think this is a guy who's just ready to be out. We've seen it in a lot of his actions. We've seen the way he's behaved lately uh, in this season. He is hurting himself, though, I think. Because for me, if I'm a head coach and I see a guy that just gives up like that, that's not a guy that I want. I want a guy that I know is going to come in here and work no matter what. Um, I don't want a guy that's going to come in here and work when he wants to. You know, That's not the kind of guy that you want in your locker room. You want to have Carl Klugs. You do not want to have Kendall Wrights. You know, I don't think he's going to be on the team either after this offseason. So, you know, it matters for... 
three more games, and then if we're in the playoffs, a few more games after that. But, you know, he's almost out of the door. So it's not something I'm real worried about. On to the next piece of news, Plexico Burris. I mean, Akib Talib is now threatening to beat up Harry Douglas at their agent office that they share. Uh, they both have an agent in common whose office is in, the, in Atlanta, and Akib Talib threatening to beat up Harry Douglas uh, when he sees them in Atlanta. What do you think about this? I think it's a bunch of bluster. He ain't going to do shit. If you attack somebody off the field, you're going to get arrested. That's not going to work out for him. His agent's going to be like, hey, knock that shit off. You can't make any money in jail. More importantly than that, if he thinks that he can go beat up a player on another team and not have some serious repercussions coming back his way, he's out of his mind. He's like, my boys will ride with me. Well, Harry's will too. And we already saw what Avery Williamson did with Tlaib. He just tossed his ass out the, you know, like the trash. So that, that's not going to happen. He ain't going to do shit. Yeah, I'm with you on that. The, the irony of the whole situation is that Talib is probably not the dirtiest player, but he's probably top five. I think there's a couple off offhand that I could name that, that fit the same bill as he does, but he's the guy that eye gouges, spits. Like he, he's he's the biggest scumbag in the league, and he's worried about finding Harry Douglas outside of his his agent's office, but it's all smoke. I don't think, I mean, like Glenn said, it's, it's headed down a dead end. There's really no, no place for it. And it's not like if Harry Douglas all of a sudden gets jumps, you know, randomly, I'm pretty sure everybody knows where to look. It's not like he can get away with anything. Right. I agree with you. I think this is, you know, all bark, no bite, so to speak. And he is, if you think dirty player NFL, he might not be the first name to come to mind, like Matt said, but he's right there. I mean, he's one that's going to come up. We already saw, I don't know if you guys saw it or not, Rashad Matthews came to uh, Douglas's defense on Twitter talking about go back and watch the play. It's not dirty. If Henry cut back the other way, then Harris could have made, ta- made the tackle. That's why he put the block out there. It's a completely legal block um, that he made, although there is a cheapness to it for sure. But it really surprised me. We were talking during the game, me and Glenn were, it really surprised me that Tlaib was not thrown out of that game. And I don't I don't want to go on without this story without mentioning the fact of Taylor Lewan sitting sitting on his ass uh, 50 yards down the field away from the scuffle. That hey, was the I best gave, part of all of this. I gave Lewan a lot of shit this year for getting involved when he doesn't need to be involved. That was a huge, huge for me. I, I loved that move. That, that's my, <laughs> other than the on win, Twitter. that was my favorite moment of the weekend. On Twitter, he said, he said, I wanted to play with the other kids, but coach said no. <laughs> yeah, I saw that too. No, that, that, that was awesome. It, it was so funny that he did that. And, you know, everybody's like, what's going on the fuck over here? Wait, is he sitting in the middle of the damn field? <laughs> you know, I, I thought that was awesome. That shows you so much about his personality. He just had fun. He's like, I didn't just stay out of it. I sat down and made a point that I am not involved in this shit. Do not yeah. blame me. It, it's like when you're the biggest kid in the crowd. And there's a fight going on. Everybody points at you saying it's your fault. And he's like, no, nah, it wasn't me. And, you know, the privilege, he's standing over there and completely not involved. It's always the little guys that are fighting. Yeah, if he's not already, he's easily becoming one of my favorite Titans, on, you know, guys on the team. I, I like – he obviously backs it up on the field, and he's a he's a nut off the field. So it's hard not to like him. I understand he gets some dumb penalties sometimes, but the fact that he went he went all the way out to do something like that just to prove his point that he's finally, you know, getting it. You know, he, he's all right in my book. And he did it in a funny way. 
He said he did exactly what he should have done, which was stay out of it. But he also did it in a funny way. Yeah, Taylor Lewan's a hard not to like. Um, very funny guy and one hell of a football player. I thought that was a pretty awesome move. All right, the last piece of news I have right here is the Tennessee Titans promote defensive lineman Mehdi Abdismad and waived uh, running back David Fluellen. You know, not a huge move here. But definitely something worth noting when you promote somebody and wave somebody up from the team. Any thoughts on this? Yeah, I think uh, Matty Abs is definitely one of the best ones off the practice squad to start with. And also with uh, Jarrell Casey's injury and also Carl Klug having a, I think they said it was like an Achilles strain or something like that. So Klug's, Klug's not 100%. I don't know if he'll play this week or not. But we definitely do need some help on the uh, D-line. So, so good move to bring him up. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. It, it's an injury. It, when both of your guys on that end of the defensive line are hurt, you, you got to get some more depth there. So obviously we're going to see some Johnson, and you know they're going to bring Ebony or Medi or whatever the hell his name is up. Shut up! I don't care. Medi Abs. Don't care. Medi Abs. <laughs> <laughs> but you know they're obviously, obviously they're going to bring him up. You know, just you, you got to have some depth. He he proved in the preseason he can play a little bit, so it makes sense to bring him up. You hope you don't need him, but at least he's there because you got to have another body for the field. I don't know how long Casey's going to be out. Have they said anything? Just that he's he uh, Malarkey said that it was questionable going into the game last week. He just barely missed the fact that whether he would play or not. So he's not out an extensive amount of time. But whether he plays, I think he will play this week, but it's not for sure. Either way, you got to have some insurance because if he and Kluger both limped up a little bit, you got to have another body to throw at it. Yeah, all about yep. the rotation. Absolutely. That's all we have for news. We're going to head into playoff scenarios here. Obviously, getting down to the wire right now in the NFL, Titans are sitting in a very interesting position. All eyes right now on the AFC South, as tight as this race is and has been. So we wanted to talk about um, some some playoff scenarios to let you guys know. First, we're going to start off with just winning the division, and then we'll talk about wild card and a potential for a wild card spot. So the first thing with this is if we win out, we win the division, no matter what. We don't need anything else to happen. If we win, beat Kansas City, beat Jacksonville, beat Houston, it doesn't matter what happens, we're the division champion. Now, if we lose to Kansas City, and obviously there's a good chance of that that's a good football team. We'd need the Colts to lose, but I don't think that's going to be a problem. They play the Vikings and the Raiders and the Jags. That Raiders game going to be tough. That Vikings game also not a give-me. But we'd also need the Texans to lose. They only have uh, the Jacksonville and then Cincinnati and then us. And then we'd also need to beat them in Week 17. So we'd need them to lose... I don't think it's going to happen in Jacksonville. So Cincinnati, we would leave our playoff or our division hopes up to Cincinnati at that point. If we lose two games, it would be nearly impossible to win the division at this at that point. Uh, we would need everybody else to just tank. So saying that, do you think? Let's say that we lose the game to the Chiefs. Do you think that we have a shot? Do you think the Texans could lose to the Bengals and actually have a real shot if we do end up losing this game? I think they do have a chance to lose uh, every game they play from here on out. I don't think they're they're built to go into the playoffs. They had a hot start at home. The Bengals have been real up and down this season, mostly down, but they can put up points, and I believe A.J. Green should be back this week. 
I'm not positive about that, but I believe I saw him in the news earlier today. And also, man, you never know with Jacksonville. I know they're not exactly a, a high offense, high power offense, but it's a divisional game. You know, they they don't like losing to, to Houston or you know any of us really. So all of our chips are basically sitting with Cincinnati. Going into Kansas City is going to be tough. I'm not saying we can't win that game because we can. We definitely proved ourselves this past week, and I think if we come out the same way, we definitely got a legitimate shot. But you never know how we're going to end up when you know we, we come out with huge firepower against Green Bay and then lay an egg against Indy. So my question is, if Cincinnati does beat, let's say Cincinnati beats Houston, we beat Kansas City, but then we lose to Houston, where does that leave us? We're still a game ahead then, is that correct? Even though we would have lost both games to Houston? If we if we won both of the games coming up and then lost to Houston and Houston lost to Cincinnati, then we'd be tied and Houston wins the division. Anyway, I don't know if any of this even makes the show. But what I'm saying is I could see us going into KC, pulling out some miraculous victory, you know, on cloud nine going into Houston and then we lay an egg. If that happens, now you jinxed us and you're no longer allowed on the show. (laughs) (laughs) There's no scenario at this point that I don't think could happen. Just because of the way this team is, the way we're built. We're definitely riding a high right now. Having that week 13 bye like we discussed really set us up to come out and just kick everybody's ass for the rest of the season. Uh, A big, powerful team that got a break. We all saw the way that the Titans came out against the Broncos. They were ready to play. They looked fresh and ready to go out there and kick ass. And it was really nice to see. Because they were looking really worn down, you know, as we were getting to there, and then you know, against the Bears, it's like they had nothing left. They they were gassed out, so that break really helped them. And we're in a good spot right now that we could just power through everybody on the rest of the way out. You see some of the national guys finally saying that you know the Titans are poised to make a push for the playoffs, so it could still happen. The big deal to me is we got to beat Kansas City. If, if we beat Kansas City, I think that we'll cruise the rest of the way. We're unlikely to screw it up. If we don't beat Kansas City, then there's a lot of pressure, and we, we need some help. So we'll see what happens. Right. If we beat Kansas City, I think Tennessee nationwide instantly becomes the assumed favorite to win the division. I think that's the reason that we're being held back right now is this game against Kansas City because uh, most people, you know, the power football index and all that from ESPN, everybody has the Texans as the most likely because of their schedule. It's very easy from here on out, um, aside from us. And, you know, they could win out, lose to us, and still be the division champion. So easier road for them than us. But if we beat Kansas City, I think there's no question that we'll go in and, and win the division. I think that at that point, you know, there's – there's no like the Jaguars aren't going to stop us, and Houston right now is not the team that we played, and frankly, we're not the team that they played last time we saw each other. I think it'd be very hard for Houston to get a win against us right now. But if we don't win the division, there is still a shot at the wild card. I did uh, looked into it today and looked up all of the tiebreakers, all the rules and stuff, and then here's what we have right now. These are the teams that are in front of us. Um, obviously the Raiders, and I didn't include them in this because they're ten and three right now. They have the wild card spot, and if they don't, the Chiefs do. You know, so I didn't include them because we're not going to be able to get to that level, and they're not going to drop that far. So Raiders have that fifth slot, or Kansas City. Say we beat Kansas City this weekend, Raiders win, they take it over. But there, no one's taking that fifth spot. So the last spot, that sixth spot, there is Denver at eight and five. 
Miami at eight and five, the Ravens at seven and six, and then us as of right now. The thing that is beneficial for us is we win a tiebreaker against Denver and against Miami because we beat them head to head this season. Also, they do not. Neither of those two teams have easy schedules left. Denver has to go uh, play New England at home, then travel to Kansas City, and then play Oakland at home. Miami has to go to the to the Jets, to the Bills, and then the Patriots at home. But the thing is, is Ryan Tannehill's out. Looks like he might be out the rest of the season. So they have Matt Moore going against the Jets, the Bills, and the Patriots. That gives us definitely an advantage and a leg up. The Ravens are the tough one, though, because we will not beat the Ravens in a tiebreaker. I mean, it could happen, but... It's not likely. In order for the Ravens, to, for us to catch the Ravens, because the tiebreaker for us would be, since we didn't play each other, it would go to conference record. They have a 7-3 and three conference record. We have a 4-5 and five conference record. So in order for the Ravens, they would have to lose every conference game. We would have to win every conference game. And if that happened, we wouldn't be tied anyways. The Ravens would be behind us. So we're not going to win a tiebreaker with Baltimore. So we would need them to lose their last three games at home versus the Eagles, at Pittsburgh, and then at Cincinnati. So we have a lot riding on the Cincinnati Bengals in these last few games, guys. Yeah, I don't see anybody in our division winning the wild card spot. I know it is possible, but man, Denver has the hardest three games stretch to end the year that I think I've ever seen. I don't know how they're going to get out of it. I mean, they they play three tough matchups. Honestly, if if we – I could see us going into KC and winning this game, and if we can do that, there's no reason why we can't run the table. It seems a little far-fetched. I know it definitely seemed far-fetched a few weeks ago, but we're here now. I think us getting this, this win over Denver changed a lot of people's perspectives inside and outside of the locker room. Uh, the national media guys are giving us attention. The guys in the locker room, um, they understand where they are and what they're playing for now. They understand that if they win, you know, they're in. So I don't think anybody's thinking about a wild card spot at this point. I know I'm not. I don't I don't think us I don't think if, if we can't finish what we started, we shouldn't be in the playoffs, basically. Yeah, it's kind of a win a division or go home situation. It's not that we couldn't actually make it in as a wild card at this point if we run most of the rest of the table. If we win, you know, two of the next three games we're still in really good shape for a shot at the wild card, but that's not how we want to get there. I mean, obviously we'll take the playoffs, but it's a lot more has to happen for us to make playoffs as a wild card than we can really expect. You just you very rarely get that kind of help. But like Matt said, if we win against the Chiefs, all signs point to yes, we should just roll on through. And I, I'd really like to say that I expect them to do that. The idea that we have to depend on the Bengals for anything is just terrifying to me. I, I don't like that idea. the thing for me is looking at this and the games that they have left is if i had to call it right now i think denver is going to lose out the rest of the season maybe win one but i feel like they're going to lose out the rest of the season so they drop out of the playoffs miami you know with no ryan Tannehill, matt moore i think they still beat the jets and then they lose their last two games against buffalo and new england and that would put them out of the playoff running it would really come down to Baltimore, though. And, you know, they go against the Eagles team that started the season hot, but teams have figured out how to play Carson Wentz, and they're not doing well right now. 
They go against the Steelers and Pittsburgh. I feel like that's a loss for them. Pittsburgh really seems to have figured out how to play, although it seems like every year Pittsburgh will dominate really good teams, you know, play well, play good football, and then save their worst for when they go up against Baltimore. I mean, they've lost, I believe, four, three or four in a row now to the Ravens. Um, You know, they seem to just, the Ravens have their numbers, seem to always get the win when they shouldn't. But hopefully for us, they lose that game. Then it would come down to Cincinnati because if, say, we lose the Kansas City game, if these teams, and I'm not really worried about Denver and Miami because we're one game behind them and we have the tiebreaker. So that gives us a huge leg up. Baltimore is really the one I'm worried about because it's hard to see them losing two games at this point at the end of the season. If they beat the Eagles and then they go to Cincinnati and win, and assuming they lose to the Steelers, that still puts us behind them. It would be tough to get in. That's the only team that's really in our way as far as the wild card goes, though. Look at it like this, Ryan. If we can't if we can't win out and, and beat Houston, Jacksonville, and, you know, I don't like to leave it in Cincinnati's hands, but, you know, if we beat Kansas City, then we don't need to worry about that. But hypothetically, if Cincy beats Houston and we do lose to KC, if we can't win out against Houston and Jacksonville, we have no business in the playoffs. Yeah, why would you want to make the playoffs to get absolutely destroyed? Uh, if you can't handle Jacksonville and Houston, just don't worry about it, man. Just t- take your slightly better draft pick and go on. <laughs> man, you guys are positive today. <laughs> I am positive I don't want to go to the playoffs and just get absolutely destroyed. Yeah, I mean, listen, this, this season's a success whether we you know make it or not. I do want to, obviously. I want to win the division. I don't want to – wild card is not an option in my mind. I, I don't think – there's no point in, in limping into a playoff situation and getting handed our ass and, you know, losing all the morale that we've built up. It just doesn't – it's not worth it to me. Yeah, it would be nice to make it. When you go from picking first in the draft to at least 500, that's a huge step. I mean, there's no no denying that. We're obviously – moving forward positively with, you know, a great draft situation ahead. We got a, a first round pick from the Rams, a third round pick from the Rams. That's looking like a top five pick. So, I mean, you know, two first rounders to start off the playoff run would be awesome, especially if we catch wind and our defense can start putting up some solid numbers, learn how to tackle and everything else. You know, a lot of times the, the underdog dark horse is the team you got to look out for in the playoff race. So, Beating KC is not out of the question. I know it's going to be tough. I think we can do it, and and you know, we put ourselves in that in that spot. There's no reason why we can't beat Houston and Jacksonville. And with that momentum, who knows where we can go with it? This team is built for late season success. When you can run the ball through the playoffs, everybody's already had a long season. Everybody's a little bit tired. No one's ever really healthy. So this late bye, plus a very physical, dominating style of offense this team could go somewhere if they get to the playoffs but if we can't win to the division given what we have left in our schedule it doesn't prove anything to get there because it's probably not going to work out for you if we can just run the rest of the table and get to the playoffs as a division winner you, you have some hope for what might happen in the playoffs if we luck into the playoffs you feel a lot less you know happy about it here's just what needs to happen for us is miami loses to the Jets this weekend because not only does it take Miami out of our worry for the wild card, but that also would push that Rams pick up to the top five. It would put it right at five if the Jets are able to get a win. 
Um, and of course, if St. Louis loses, so you know that's the perfect scenario. That's what needs to happen this weekend for us. And of course, us beating Kansas City. But we're gonna take you a know, quick. Like, what is uh, St. Louis? St. Louis. Oh, same <laughs> fucking thing. It, 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 it's it's understandable. We all get it. It's only been one season. Yeah, it's the same thing. All right, we're gonna head to a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're gonna cover these the Denver game and talk about this Kansas City game more in depth. We'll be right back. Time to pay the bills. Some quick ads and we'll get right back to the show. Hey Titans fans, you've probably heard us talk about the group page several times on this show and I'm sure you're wondering what we're talking about. Tennessee Titans Uncensored is a Facebook group page that was built by Titans fans for Titans fans and was founded by our very own Matt Necron. If you're a Titans fan that's looking to talk about the latest Titan news, this is where you need to be. And you can help me shit talk to crackheads. Because nobody likes crackheads. That is Tennessee Titans Uncensored on Facebook. Tighten up. Hey, this is Ryan and Rich from the Free Parking Show. Our show is a sports podcast hosted by four sports journalists and features shows like Beers and Cheers, Par for Discourse, and our NFL preview, the 32-team parking garage. Check us out on Stitcher, Spreaker, and our website, www.freeparking.com. Hey, Titans fans, do you ever find yourself wondering what the hell's going on with Rubisky's play calling while you're watching the game? Do you wonder why a rec hope didn't get six sacks Have you ever wondered why our defense can shut down a star wide receiver but constantly gets burned down the middle by a backup tight end? If this sounds like you, then you need to know your enemy. Each week, Glenn Lossneiser from the Two-Tone Uncensored podcast posts a write-up about this week's upcoming game. Glenn tells you which players have the favorable matchups each week and what schemes the Titans need to use in order to succeed. It comes out Wednesday-ish each week, sometimes Thursday morning. It's on our twotoneuncensored.podbean.com page and links from the Two Tone Uncensored Facebook page as soon as it posts. It's a real quick read and even has pictures for the kids. For the kids! You're listening to Two Tone Uncensored, brought to you by Podbean. Hey, this is Bo Scaife. You're listening to Two Tone Uncensored. Tighten up. And we're back from that quick commercial break. Now let's jump headfirst into this Denver game. A sloppy win, but a win nonetheless. What did you take away from this game, Glenn? You know, the, the Titans came out of that bye week and showed that not only are they refreshed, but they're ready to power run through the rest of the season. And I think Dick LeBeau learned his lesson about trying to play man defense with uh, these secondary players that he has. You, you play some zone. You, you just you give your guys a chance to make the play when the ball's in the air. It gives them a chance. You know, If they're playing man and they get burned, then there's just nobody around him and the plays get big. When you're playing that soft zone with this group of players, 
they can't stick to anybody. They're probably not going to challenge the ball in the air. But at least with that soft zone, when the ball's coming in, they can challenge the ball as it gets to the receiver. They have a chance to make strips. They have a chance to you know tackle him immediately. As when these guys play man, and they're so badly beaten that they're laying down in the end zone five yards from the guy who's dropping the ball and saving the game for us. <coughs> Cox. Um, you know, when, when that kind of thing happens, you know, it doesn't work out real well for you. So going back to the zone, as much as I dislike soft zones and letting people catch the ball underneath because it lets other teams drive on you and move the ball down the field when they have a, even a halfway decent quarterback, if you don't have the personnel to do anything else, go with that and just try to do that well. And that's what we did this game, and it worked out for us. It, it helps that we were smacking Simeon around, and he looked shook in the first quarter. You know, when the quarterback looks scared, it's going to be a pretty good day for the defense, and that's what happened. It won't happen this next game. I don't think you're going to get Alex Smith shook, so that's not going to happen for us. But it showed me that it can work out that way, and it gives you hope for at least two of the remaining games that you know we should be able to go out there and just dominate the other team. It definitely helped us that we started off fast, uh, didn't dig ourselves in any holes. Obviously, the second half was a different story. We really couldn't move the ball. Um, the biggest play of the second half, in my opinion, was that uh, almost what was a one-handed grab by Rashard Matthews over Tlaib. Uh That was a huge play. And we started out fast. We were able to run the ball. As a total, I believe we put up like 180 on them. And it's really hard to gauge, in my opinion, how well we actually played on offense because, you know, this is a, a Super Bowl caliber defense. We definitely struggled in the second half, but we barely pulled it out enough yardage in the first half and, and the, the little bit in the second half to basically play keep away from these guys. You know, I think if we come out again with the same game plan, run the ball, and, and I think, you know, Marcus made a few plays with his legs early on, and I think that's a key part of our success as well. We definitely got to mix it up and, and use our strengths to our advantage. Yeah, before, you know, last week I said – um, one key was Marcus needed to play mistake-free football. And even though he did not have a good game in this, he was 6-for-20 uh, with 88 yards, I believe. He played mistake-free. And you know, he did exactly what I said he was going to have to do, and it ended up working out for us. We didn't need the big game from him because we were able to do it on the ground. And really, I mean, there was a lot of times, there was a couple of times in this game, especially getting on late in the game where it was like 3rd and 2, 3rd and 3, and we went to the passing game when I, and didn't get the first down. Where I was like, why don't we just run it? Why do we even try to pass at this point? Just run it. They know it's coming and they can't stop it. We're running at like you know five, six, seven yards a clip. Like let's just keep this going. Murray and Henry both had great games in this. Both were impressive. It was great to see that you know. And then on the other side of the ball, you guys are right. Trevor Simeon was terrified and got in his face. We got a great job of getting pressure. Arakbo was uh, no, another great game under his belt as a Titan. He was impressive in this one. You know, all in all, just a really it was an ugly game, but it was a good one. And like you said, against a you know, the defending champion, this is a really good football team and a really big win for us. And also I think K C is is really not that far away from Denver as far as an overall defense goes. They got different strengths, obviously, but I really think if we go with the same game plan is probably our best approach to, to win moving forward. And and really, it's a recipe for, for us all together in all of our games moving forward. Do you think this is something, you know, that just they just happen to be the right place, right time? Or do you think this is something that we're making an emphasis on later in the season is to get turnovers? 
I think it's a bit of both. Obviously, the coaches have had a bye week to work on these guys. and In, in situations like this where the guys realize you can't get there to stop the pass from coming in, so you have to try to get the ball out as they catch it. We saw this. You see it all the time. I like to bring up Chris Dishman from back in the Oilers days. He, he wasn't the greatest man corner, but he would let the receiver bring the ball into his body and then try to snatch it from him. That's how he got his interceptions. He didn't catch the ball. He didn't have good hands. But he would take the ball from people. And so you know, you, if you do that and you're going to play this zone, you got to be there and challenge the point of impact. So as they're catching the ball, you're knocking it out of their hands. You're taking it from them. And I think that probably Dick LeBeau got into them a little bit this uh, this week leading up to this game and said, you guys have got to find a way to make a difference. We can't get our cornerbacks to turn their heads and look for the ball. So I think you're going to start seeing a bigger emphasis on stripping the ball out and trying to make plays as they're catching the ball instead of worrying about trying to make plays in the ball in the air because obviously these guys will not turn their damn heads around. I don't know if they've all got like a bad disc in their neck and they just can't get their head to turn around that way or what. But you know, if they'll make plays as the ball is coming in and getting caught and letting the receiver do the first half of the job for them, then they can do something. So I'm hoping it's a point of emphasis and we're going to see more of this. I think that turnovers has been something we've been lacking all year long, and I don't know if it's really been something we've been not really game planning, something we really haven't had much luck with this year. Obviously, with the one at the end was definitely the biggest one that you know we've had all year, really, and especially in a game-winning situation. Moving forward, I, I think it's, it's business as usual. I think we've been preaching it all year long. We just haven't had any luck with it. And this last game, obviously, we had two huge ones. Guys, you guys know that I don't like to harp on the refs. It's not something that I like to do. I think a lot of people get carried away with it. You know, most of the time, uh, refs call good games, like 99% of the time. This was not a good officiated game, uh, especially early on. You know, Chris Harris Jr. on one drive had two pass interferences in the end zone. Neither were called. Demarius Thomas appears like he pushes off on every single play, but they were quick to call that on us um, on the other side. There was a lot of bad refing in this game. I know we talked about it during the game back and forth. What, what did you think about the officiating? It seemed like it did get better as the game went on, but it was rough to start. There was lots to cuss about in this game. We've seen it throughout the year where they're not even doing makeup plays. They make a really bad play, a, a really bad call, and they just do it again. You know, in the past, they'd make a bad call, and then you kind of, you know, get you back, you know, a couple of plays later, like, our bad here, we'll, we'll call this one that's kind of questionable the other way. There was a lot of shit calls in this game, and I don't know that it got better or it just didn't get, continue to get worse and we got used to it. Like you said, I don't like to complain about the refs, you know, and we won the game, so let's not worry about it too much. But it really seemed like for a while there that they were just looking for something wrong with what the Titans were doing and finding excuses to throw the flag when it was clear that there were plenty of flags to be thrown on both sides of the field. It was a chippy game. I mean, we had fights. It was one of those physical games where there were chances to throw flags, but there were chances on both sides of the field and obvious calls that were missed. We won. I'm not going to you know hold on to that grudge, but if this is the second-ranked, if this is a second-ranked officiating crew and this is what you're going to get, they, they really need to find a, a professional set of refs and just train them and go ahead and pay them some real money to have, fix these inconsistencies that you get out of these groups. We ran the ball 42 times in this game. Is this something, you know, obviously they have a really great secondary and you had to, but is this something you want to see more of in the future? It is against good defenses. If you have a good secondary or an opportunistic secondary like we have against the Chiefs. 
generally you don't have both a good secondary and you're good against the run. And the best way to counteract a good secondary is to just hammer the ball and take control of the clock, make them all kind of be looking into the backfield. We saw some great play fakes this week. That's something I said a couple of weeks ago going into the bye that I wanted them to be working on. I was really talking about next season more than anything else as far as Mariota improving his ability to disguise handoffs. Uh, he still stares a little bit too much at his receivers, but there were several times this, this week where that ball, I wasn't sure which way it was going coming out of the uh, backfield, and they disguised that really well. And if you can start doing that and make teams second guess, you can change the way they're playing the defense against you. And the Chiefs, like I said, they're right behind the Broncos in yards uh, per game given up against the run. So I would expect to see the exact same team come out here again. The uh, Jaguars, we've already seen that we can throw and run against them. The uh, Texans, their defense is starting to crumble and fade in the back half of the season. I think we run the ball a bunch against them. So I, I really think that we're just going to pound the rock for the rest of the season. And, you know, obviously Marcus is going to have better games. This is probably his worst game that you're going to have for the rest of this year. And we're going to throw the ball where we can. But if you can run the ball like that and be be effective and keep the clock under control, it, it's that old the Steelers taking the air out of the football, grind the clock down, win, win with a five-point difference in the game, but you won because the other team just can't get anything done because they can't get the ball. Yeah, keep away is a powerful tool when you got a run game like we do. We couldn't move the ball. Marcus was not on this game. I think he was like 8 for 20 or something. But with what we're doing with the two backs we have, it's a great recipe moving forward because really, maybe other than Dallas, there's really no team in the league that's built like we are. So if we can run the ball, control the clock, and get those few passes in the air, Marcus definitely has to step up. He went against a great defense, so it's hard to knock him. He didn't lose the game. It's great to be able to be in a situation where last year, you know, we were in close games, but we would always be on the losing end. And to be on the winning end of last year's best team in the league, that obviously speaks volumes. So, I mean, stick to the recipe moving forward, and I think we're going to see some success. Yeah, obviously, you know, playing keep away was a huge part. If you look at the time of possession in this game, you know, we played a very old brand of football. It seems like us and Dallas are the only ones that worry about time of possession uh, in the NFL right now. It's you know, it's a stat that's no longer useful for you know 90% of the NFL, but for us and the Cowboys, very useful, and it proved very useful in this game. Uh, you know, they didn't have the ball long enough to get any momentum started in the first half, and I really think that was a big reason why we went into the second half with a lead. And we did it with almost no ability to score in the second half because their defense came out of the half ready to play. The Broncos did a great job of just denying us chances to move down the field. We were just playing field position and ball control. It, it works. Uh, obviously, it works for the Cowboys. Both of these teams, you know, us and the Cowboys, are doing the same kind of thing and for the same reason. We both have young quarterbacks. I think that Marcus is ahead of Dak Prescott you know, in his abilities. I mean, the stats say it, too. He's way up there in touchdowns. He, he's efficient. He's one of the best red zone quarterbacks we've ever seen. So obviously he's ahead of Dak. The the uh, the ability of the Cowboys to run the ball is a little bit ahead of us. They have a little bit better offensive line. Ours is pretty good. Theirs is great. And both of our defenses are a little bit suspect. 
I think we do a better job of putting pressure on teams, though. So, you know, if we play the Cowboys, I think that we could beat the Cowboys. And I don't know how big of a statement that is to most of you, but I, I think we could. I, we have a chance against almost anybody in the league who doesn't have a great passing game. Because with our defense, the game is never over if you can throw the ball. So people can come back against us, and our best weapon against that is just to not let you have the ball so our pass rush can stay fresh and just keep coming at you and knocking the crap out of your quarterback because we know that we can't just stand back there and play coverage. And that takes us into the Kansas City game. We're going to take on a team here that's not a great passing team, pretty good. They have a solid quarterback. They have, you know, Macklin out there. They have some weapons that they can get the ball to. How important is it in this game for us to get pressure against Alex Smith, or do you think it's better to do less blitzing and more dropping back in the coverage? For me, it, it, it all depends on the tempo of the game. Um, I definitely do want to see some blitzing, maybe not as much as we've been. I think if we could shut down Spencer Ware, we have a decent shot to contain, but I do want to see some more zone and, and just kind of shutting down. Really, the only thing I'm worried about, I'm not worried about Jeremy Macklin. I don't think he's got much to bring to the table, but Tyreek Hill is freaky fast, and we definitely got to watch out for him. And not to mention Travis Kelsey, who's obviously one of the best tight ends in the league right now. Yeah, Kelsey's a pain in the ass. Uh, you know, of, of the people that you look at on the Chiefs, Matt just named him. You got Tyreek Hill, who's ridiculously fast and agile, and we really struggle. We have a big, powerful defensive front. They're not so great at tackling the little guys. Uh, we, we've been gashed by several people you know, who do that, and you know, watching the Broncos game just a few weeks back, you saw the way the Chiefs use Tyreek Hill. They, they find all kinds of different ways to give him that ball in space. And once he gets in space, if you're not a good tackling team, which the Titans aren't, he's always a threat to go all the way. Uh, so he, he's a guy that they're going to have to pay special attention to. And, you know, like you said, Kelsey, tight ends have kicked our ass all season. And Travis Kelsey is probably the best guy that we've faced. Because he is so good at getting the ball and then making a move in space and just getting extra yards. I mean, he, he's great at that. It's sneaky how good he is at it. So this is one of those games where the receivers don't scare you as much. But this could be the game that exposes our linebackers and exposes our tackling again. So it's going to be every time that they have the ball. If Alex Smith puts the ball in the right spot for those two players, there's a chance that they're going to score just whenever. And that's why I really think we need to see a good, solid rotation with our uh, safeties. Because if we can play, Rashad Johnson had the game of the year this past. And, and if he can step up and make a few plays this week, I think Byard, actually, Cersei played pretty decent himself. So, I mean, if we can get a solid rotation between those three and kind of make up for the lack of coverage with our linebackers, I think our safeties are going to make the difference. I think you got to put Stafford in that as well. I think he's our best safe against the run. He really comes up and he makes good tackles against the run. But one thing I wanted to say is, that, you know, you guys brought it up perfect here with Tyree Kill and, and Travis Kelsey, obviously two big weapons. But I'm so much more intimidated by Travis Kelsey right now. And I know that Tyree Kill, all the skill he has, and nothing taken away from him because the guy is freaky fast, as you guys put it. But we've had so much trouble with tight ends. And we've really gotten gouged. You know, it was a huge difference when we played the Colts. We've had a lot of issues with it this season. And no one in the NFL right now is playing better than Travis Kelsey at the tight end position. He scares me a lot in this game. It's one matchup that I am frightened of. 
and I really want to see how our inside linebackers or our safeties really step up in this game, see if they can make a difference and slow Kelsey down. Yeah, they're going to have to body him up coming off the line. If, if Kelsey gets a free release and gets out into space, we don't have the guys to handle that. So I really hope that when he comes off the line to go out and uh, run a pattern, someone, someone's got to hit him and knock him off his pattern, screw up his timing so that he's not where he needs to be for Alex Smith to hit him. That, that's how you have to handle those good tight ends. If you don't have someone who can play them man-on-man, you, you've got to just break their timing and just knock them off of their routes. And I don't know that I've seen us do that this year. I'm hoping that just like we're seeing a better focus on creating turnovers, maybe we see a better job on just botting up the tight ends and breaking their timing. Yeah, the only good thing about going against this team is, you know, those two main players are going to be the focus of our, you know, defensive schemes. I don't think the run game, although Ware is a good runner, uh, he's definitely shown he can he can produce. I think we're going to be able to stuff him. That's one thing I've always I've been confident with all year is stopping the run. Obviously, tight end coverage is a huge issue, and he's going to get his numbers. We just got to make sure that those numbers don't turn into points, and I think that's going to be the main difference in, in whether we win or lose. Then on the other side of the ball, guys, I said last week I think Mario, all he had to do was protect the football. He did that, and we won. In this game, he needs to protect the football again because this – a defense, as we've seen with Eric Berry, is very opportunistic. But he also needs to be able to put some balls in the air. So really attack the other side of the field away from Marcus Peters and drive the ball down the field because this is a team that we're going to have to put up points against because I don't believe that we're going to be able to shut them down. I think that we are going to give up points, so we need to score um, in this game. And I think that a lot of that's going to go on Marcus Especially on these third down plays, he really struggled on the third down in this game. Even though our team did well, Marcus was not great on third down. That's something that's going to have to be a lot better. And obviously, the defense uh, that we played is not as that we just played is a lot better than the defense that we're going to be playing. But it's a, it's a key for me that he has to be able to score points, and a lot of it's going to be in his hand. You know, I don't know that we're going to see Marcus shy away from too much from Peters. He hasn't shown that he really cares about what's going on with the the players on the other side. I, I think that there's every chance he just goes forever who's open. So the big thing with Eric Berry is, is he's really good at disguising where he is on the field. It, it seems like he's a guy who they just lose track of because he, he's always just making plays by hanging out there in the zone, reading the quarterback. So if Marcus stares his receiver's down like he's prone to do. That's when Barry pounces on it and makes a big deal. I think we see a lot of Walker, or else we make them take Walker away. And that's how we get people open. All right, we're going to head into our predictions here. Uh, joining us today to do the predictions, we had a caption contest on a picture on our Facebook page. Um, and the winner was going to get to come on and do predictions with us. We have the winner this week, uh, Mike May, joining with us. Uh, Mike, really good caption. Pretty hilarious, and congratulations on the win. I appreciate that. Appreciate that. So, Mike, is there anything in this Kansas City game? What What's the big things that you're going to be looking for? I'm going to be looking for the Titans staying out of Eric Berry's way because uh, from the looks of it, it looks like he's pretty much taken down every team by himself this year. So we got to keep the run game strong. I wouldn't pass too damn much, but uh, 
I give him a heavy dose of DeMarco Murray and Derrick Henry back there on Sunday. That's exactly what we're all saying, too. Leave Eric Curry the hell alone and grind that ball. Yes, sir. All right, so let's do our official predictions, score predictions for this game against Kansas City. Mike, what do you say? Man, I think it's going to be a close one, of course, like every Titans football game. And I'm going to have to go with Titans probably going to come out on top 17 to 14. I like that. I like that score. Uh, I'm, I'm going to go somewhere similar with that. I'm going to go ahead and say 20 to 14 Titans. I'll, I'm going to have to parse this right you and go 21-14. <laughs> this ain't the prices, right? <laughs> That's how it works around here. <laughs> I'm going to go a little bit higher because I think that we're going to be able to score on them a little bit and they're going to be able to put points on us. So I'm going to go a little bit higher than you guys and say uh, 27-24 final score. Titans win. Right. Yeah. I, I don't know if we mentioned this. Did we mention it's going to be 15 degrees out there? I did because I'm going to be there. Yeah. Shirtless. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going shirtless. I can't do it. Uh, that my wife would kill me. I'm taking my be... wife to her first ever NFL game. Uh, oh, man. We're going to go to Arrowhead. Arrowhead is, as much as they're the enemy, Arrowhead is like the pinnacle for crowd noise. It's one of the old stadiums. It is so awesome and so loud. And she, my wife's from England. She's been to soccer matches where the state, the crowds are even bigger and louder than we get at ours. So this is a good comparison for, and my goal is to get in, have a great time, not lose any fingers or toes, and not get in a fight on our way out of the stadium <laughs> after the Titans kick their ass. <laughs> Stay well, luckily, there won't be no Raiders fans there. <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> yeah, really. I, a Ra- Raiders fans show up at Kansas City Stadium when they're not even playing the, the Raiders. That's a <laughs> bad formula right there. Something bad is going to happen to you. Shit, you could probably use a few, you, you could probably use a few Raider fans. <laughs> is a distraction. <laughs> Those assholes beat them. <laughs> then duck out. <laughs> exactly. Like. All right. Well, thanks, Mike, for coming on the show with us. It was a pleasure having you. Not a problem, man. You can call me anytime, bro. All, All right. right. All right. That was Mike May. Thanks uh, to everybody who did the contest, who submitted. There was a lot of really great answers. It was hard to choose. Um, we're going to keep doing stuff like this on the Facebook page. So keep a look, an eye out for it. If you're not following us already, Go ahead and do that at Two Tone Uncensored on Facebook. Um, we'll have more stuff coming down the pike. But uh, that's all the show we have. One last thing is the poll question. And since Glenn is going shirtless to the Kansas City game, the poll question is what should Glenn paint on his stomach uh, for the game? <laughs> so have a list I might of shave stuff. the Two Tone Uncensored label into my uh, chest and stomach here. That would be dope. <laughs> we'll throw some stuff in there and see who comes up with the, the most votes, and hopefully Glenn is man enough to go to the game shirtless and paint his belly. I, I don't know that I could do the whole game like that in 15-degree weather, man. <laughs> I, I'm getting a little old for that shit. But at the same time, it, you know, if we get enough interest, I, I might be willing to you know do something at least you know, try to get on camera and raise it up every now and then, just like, hey, check this out, and then throw it back down because I'm going to die. <laughs> See, like I said at the beginning of the show, Hollywood will do anything for a little bit of publicity. <laughs> There's no bad publicity. We need to get you a sign. We do need to get me a sign. I've been thinking about what i got to make for a sign. Just make a sign that just said, this sign is just to piss off the Kansas City fans sitting behind me and hold it up the whole um, game. Yeah. 
<laughs> hold up there just block everybody's view. Yeah, the entire game. Just like even yeah. when your arms oh, get tired. I will be on the television because there will be an ass beating coming. It's like thirty fans come rolling down that thing. <laughs> yeah, we'll see Glenn. I, I don't want to be part of the family. Tossed down the stairs. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna take some people with me, but it ain't gonna be pretty. Drive back with a bunch of bruises. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> All right, that's all the shit we have. Um, be sure to check us out at Two-Tone, uh, uncensored.podbean.com. You can find us on iTunes on the Podbean app. We're now on the Podcast Attic app. Uh, you can find it on any non-Apple device. You can also find us on Twitter and on Facebook, as previously mentioned. And go to the the previously mentioned website, two-toneuncensored.podbean.com. This week, and check out the Know Your Ar- Know Your Enemy articles that that Glenn puts out each week. They're fantastic, really good, a lot of in depth stuff, way more than we can get into the show. They're really great, so check them out. And as always, Jesus if, if you're over in the Kansas, <laughs> fuck you guys. Um, <laughs> as always, if you're in the Kansas City area, go to the game, show up big. It'll really make Kansas City feel the pressure this week, and tighten up. Everybody come over to section 102 and help defend me. Beat the chefs. <laughs> Beat the chefs. Just by but listening no. to you talk, Glenn, I can tell that you are a really good defensive lineman. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, Ryan. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Two-Tone Uncensored Podcast. You can listen to the show at twotoneuncensored.podbean.com or by downloading the Podbean app on your mobile device. Be sure to follow the show on Twitter at twotoneuncensored and like us on Facebook. So obviously we're going to see some Johnson. (coughs) Cox!